0: And welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that my little sister described this week as pretty much everything you need out of your Monday. She doesn't have much going on on Mondays though. She does medicine, but it's fine. <laughs> you're joined by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. I'd say we are, you're basically your guilty pleasure. Pretty much. Coming up on today's episode, the kiss that landed Katy Perry in hot water, the wags who build their careers off the back of heartbreak, and the incredible resurgence of Jennifer Garner. But first, tell me about your week. I don't have
1: much going on this week. To be honest, the majority of my week has been spent at work and fending off your whining about turning 24. Oh, shut
0: up. Okay, so it's my birthday today. It's I... bright nearly. It's about seven o'clock in the morning. Oh. Happy birthday, Michelle. I don't even want to talk about it. This is the first birthday. I think my life right now is perfectly described by the meme where it's like 21, yay, 22, yay, 23, yay, 24. Wait, what? That's me. Like everything. It's such a sporing stereotype. No, because I've, <laughs> I'm so much older than what I feel. 24, I used to think as a teenager, is legit adult. 23, you can pass off as like young and dumb, yeah. might make a mistake. 24's at that age where if I had some type of public indiscretion, people can't say, oh, she's young anymore. I don't think you could have been.
1: <laughs> I don't think you can get away with that at 23 either. Uh, also, my mum, who is, I'm not going to disclose her, I don't even know how old well she is. It's 50-something. She says now she still feels like she's 21. She can't believe that her age does not – her age portrays how she's feeling. You know, so you're going to be like this for your entire
0: life. Just quickly before we discuss yeah. what we're actually here to just talk about, I think what the main problem I have with turning 24 is that I feel like any accomplishment I've made before now is in half. Maybe. It's halved because at 23, having a podcast was kind of cool. 24, it's just like, oh, well – you're 24, so you've got to be doing something with your life.
1: So it's all about ego. Absolutely. You need to suck it As up always, over it.
0: I just don't want to be 24. It's fine.
1: It's okay. fine. Well, it's not much you can do about it now. Um, what caught your eye the most this week? It's got to be the Katy Perry
0: kiss. Yeah,
1: this did. You were quite obsessed with this
0: story for a while. That's not to say that it didn't pique my interest. It really did, mm. but it was really on your radar. Well, it was covered even by the New York Times. I'll set the scene. So basically in her debut episode for American Idol, Katy Perry, who is obviously 33 year old pop superstar pressured a 19 year old teenage boy who had never been kissed before to approach the judging desk and she forced him on oh, oh, American Idol right pressured him yes American Idol the premiere episode of American Idol pressured him to kiss her so basically she tricked him he got to come up to the judging panel and she said, kiss me on the cheek. He kissed her once. She was dissatisfied with the first kiss. He had said he had never been kissed.
1: He had never been. And he never wanted to be kissed until he was getting
0: married? No, until he was in a relationship. When this boy approached the judging panel, she got him to kiss her on the cheek and then was like, oh, you didn't make the smush sound or smush sound or whatever it is. Do it again. So when he went in a second time, turned her head to kiss him on the lips so she tricked him into kissing her on live television in front of millions she's a thirty three year old pop icon he's a 19 year old who has never been kissed before how do you feel about it do you need me to spell it all out I mean it's well no because some people are saying that the media is overreacting
1: have you seen those comments anyway because Absolutely. I have I, I genuinely haven't and I know the minute that The kiss happened, and we were talking about it. And obviously, the next day, the media cycle was relatively predictable. But what surprised me about it was the fact most of the coverage was, and rightly so, if this was a man, how would we be reacting? But we And I totally agree with that. If this was a 33-year-old man and this was a 19-year-old girl, especially in the kind of time that we're in, this this would be an unbelievable uproar. But what I found really interesting and really surprising was that we didn't give t- that time to that for that backlash to happen. Mm. We jumped on the backlash train and said, what would we be saying if this was a man? But we mm. didn't actually have time between the kiss and so those see, articles to actually sense whether there
0: was a real fury about it. I don't know. The, it happened on Sunday night and I started seeing articles about it on Wednesday. Maybe that's because we're in Australia and this was a US story, but I didn't see immediate backlash. I Even uh, I wrote about it. The comments were mixed. Some people said, no, it wouldn't be okay. And other people said, why are you being a bit hysterical about this? What's the problem?
1: I do not think in any way, shape or form, it is hysterical to be talking about it Mm. and pointing it out.
0: I think Katy Perry was so in the wrong. So in the wrong. No doubt about it. I mean, she's had a rough time in the media recently. (laughs) Lots of people are kind of piling on her for different things. But she had the power in the situation. That's what really frustrates me about the whole thing. She's 33. She has got millions and millions of followers she is clearly not someone who has never been kissed she's been married before she's had very public relationships before but for her to consistently beckon him to come up when i um transcribed the scene or the i don't know 30 second grab it was insane it's like come here come here come here come here ben come here and he is glancing from side to side looking really uncomfortable going no wait What? No, I don't want to. And look, he since came out and said, I don't think I was sexually harassed by her. I was uncomfortable in a sense that I've never been kissed before and was not expecting it. So then he told the Times, would I... Would I have done it if she said, would you kiss me? No, I would have said no. I know a lot of guys would be like, heck yeah. But for me, I was raised in a conservative family and I was uncomfortable immediately. I wanted my first kiss to be special.
1: How um, familiar do these kind of quotes sound? Because we're so used to hearing them come from young females saying, oh, I don't think I was sexually harassed, but yes, I was uncomfortable. So it's like you never want to be the one to raise your hand and say, yeah, that was pretty messed up. Well, on that you can still admit you're uncomfortable and that's really fine line you walk between not throwing the blame at them completely but still acknowledging that you weren't entirely happy with the scenario.
0: And in his statement he did say something to the effect of I don't want to cause backlash against Katy Perry. So he was even protecting her in that instance but that raises a really interesting question for me. Was it sexual harassment? Absolutely. Interesting. Of course. By
1: definition, it's sexual harassment. across like, it, It's changed the genders over and would be all over it calling it sexual harassment. It absolutely is.
0: And you know the thing, even with a few days to think about this and to kind of mull it over, when I initially watched the clip, I was saying that it was inappropriate and would, would never be okay for a man, so it shouldn't be okay for Katy Perry. But even with a bit more distance, I've seen that, The excuses that people use for Katy Perry in this instance, that it was joking, it was lighthearted, it was nothing to take too seriously. Yes, it was inappropriate, but she was just having some fun. Those are the exact same excuses we would use for a man in the same situation. Not at the moment, but maybe a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I guess maybe the power with Katy Perry was absolutely with her in that situation. And it just wasn't on. I think she really needs to take a step back for that to have happened on national television well that
1: it does feel quite deliberate in that sense in that it's the debut of american idol american idol had had a two-year hiatus it had come back under a new network under abc Mm. so there was probably a lot of pressure for that episode to get you know pretty strong ratings and if this was their answer to it that's pretty crazy
0: now it's time for the quick and dirty. Zara, you're going to give us five of the biggest celebrity headlines that we might have missed in the rough and tumble of the news cycle this week. Okay, let's do it. Um, This
1: first one is from the cut.
0: This is actually probably one of my favourite
1: stories from the whole week. Meghan Markle was reportedly kidnapped as part of her royal
0: training. Oh my god. So I thought this was clickbait. So did I. I didn't click on it once and then have heard through friends that apparently this had something to do with her going into the woods and because Princess Anne was kidnapped or attempted to be kidnapped a few years ago. Yeah, a long not, time ago. When Princess ago. Anne was
1: like 24, there was an attempted kidnap. I don't know if they've changed royal protocol since then, but ever since then, Meghan Markle and any princess in training has to have a <laughs> training like this, sent out into the woods and know what to do when he kidnapped. Um... Next on my list, this was from the Daily Mail, the purveyor of all things good and true. It's official, Nick the Honey Badger Commons has been announced as the new Bachelor for 2018. Holy fuck, Channel 10 is smart. They are smart. I reckon they must be serious negotiators because I do not think it
0: would have been easy to get him on board. I think it would be. I think he's just all for the PR. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. No
1: way. He's I not- don't think this is good for his necessarily good oh. for his
0: PR. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but he's got 200,000 followers on Instagram. That's so. why I don't think he necessarily needs it at all. Maybe he needs the money.
1: Ooh, controversial. All right, next. <laughs> just call him broke and move on. Okay, this from 3AW. The Stefanovic saga continues. Highly embarrassing conversation revealed. Ugh, okay. I lied. This was my favorite story of the this week. This
0: is so good. For anyone who missed it, Carl and Peter Stefanovic, they're the brothers from the Nine Network. Obviously, Carl's Nine Wetwork. Nine Wetwork. Obviously, Carl's the host of the Today Show. They were having a phone conversation and I think it was Peter who was in the Uber, is that correct? He wrong ha- Carl, oh, in, the Carl Uber. in the Uber. Peter on Loudspeaker. And yeah, the Uber driver either recorded it or has then gone to tabloids with basically a transcript of what was said and they were bitching about Susie Gardner, apparently.
1: Susie Gardner, you have Susie. royally we messed this up. This- no, we don't. It's not my <laughs> fault. You've you literally
0: screwed up every name I was possible. reading a um, thing on my computer that says Susie, but that's fine. No, that's terrible. It's Georgie Gardner, but they were also bitching about other execs they were bitch- at nine. Yeah, as and now, Minutes exec, Today Show exec. Have you heard that they had to have meetings with all these high-powered men? Men at Channel 9 to be like Not just so men and women because they're EP a tape of 60, about you. the EP of sixty minutes as a woman. It's so good. Um it is it's so good.
1: It's pretty. It's pretty lucky that Carl Stefanovic wasn't on air this week. I think he was either on a honeymoon or on filming 60 Minutes, um, because I tell you what, that would have been pretty bloody awkward. Um, what I well, love will be awkward on Monday. He has to sit next to Georgie on the and desk. on Monday. Apparently, New Idea have said that they're coming out and publishing the story. However, what makes the story really interesting is that in New South Wales, it's illegal to record somebody without their consent. I think it's different in Victoria for some yeah, weird it is. reason. But in New South Wales, it's illegal. And so basically what happens for a media publication that wants to get their hands on this audio is that they get embroiled pretty badly legally. So what New Idea have come out and said is, oh, wait, there was no tape. We're just going to interview the Uber driver from his memory. They're so going to listen to the of tape. Of course they are.
0: <laughs> um, I love it. What's your next headline okay, for me? Khloe, this is
1: less funny. Chloe Kardashian has been blasted by campaigners over latest Clue CD social media posts. Mm. Okay. I'm just going to... Take the floor. say that I think
0: well I don't think this is good at all I think glamorizing mental illness or casualizing it to make it sound like some cool trend like you're you're clean and you organize that's your well, cookies in a jar so you base, have close CD that's the basis
1: of her post is that she's organized a Clue CD week where she gives her followers tips on how to be
0: organized mm. and tidy you know what mm. Both of us are a bit speechless with this. The World Health Organization has ranked OCD in the top 10 most debilitating illnesses overall across all the illnesses OCD gets in the top 10 so for Khloe Kardashian to come out and try and make money off Khloe CD is not only only cringeworthy but it's really manipulative and really upsetting for those who suffer from a really serious illness. Well it just
1: totally misrepresents what it is and it plays into that idea that we assume OCD is only about organizing pencils in the right order or organizing pillows in the right mm-hmm. order and um, which is so far from what it actually is so it really plays into our misinterpretation of, of what it actually is.
0: It also also plays into the idea that mental illness, female mental illness, is some cute, trendy thing to have. And it's a bit not. quirky. A bit quirky. It's not. A bit
1: 2018. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, and my last one. Um, I also love this one. This is from The Sun. Alicia Vakanda says her boobs aren't as pointy as Angelina Jolie's in New Tomb Raider film.
0: Yeah, has this story gone over your has like gone over your head a bit? I think all I've seen from this story is that everyone's saying she's not curvy enough to be uh, the new Lara Croft. Okay, I
1: don't, which is bullshit. I think I don't think everyone. I think we're very good in this day and age at giving voice to one or two people and assuming that that is consensus. There are really disgusting comments online about Alicia Vikander playing the Lara Croft role mm. and saying that she. Isn't curvy enough Her boobs are too small The film as a whole Is meant to be Quite terrible I hear Which doesn't help Really Richard Wilkins Gave it a really bad review But um, Because Richard
0: Wilkins Is who we take
1: Well he's been doing it For like All of our advice 70 years That's fine That's fine If you take Um, your movie reviews From Richard I'm not gonna And also other people But Alicia Vikander Has had to (laughs) Defend the size of her boobs Oh it's bullshit For this role
0: It's absolute bullshit So that was The Quick and Dirty this week That was it My favorite dish,
1: I like mugs because they're very comfortable in your hand and they hold the hot things that you don't have to touch. So, um, you know, coffee or hot tea.
0: This year has seen Abby Gilmore, the former AFL wag who was cheated on by the father of her two children, Jake Stringer, gain celebrity status. Since going public with Stringer's infidelity, Gilmore has started a blog, created a podcast, begun a weekly column with The Herald Sun, and gained thousands upon thousands of Instagram followers. She isn't the only WAG to turn her heartbreak into a career. Last year, the former girlfriend of AFL star Alan Didak released a memoir titled How to Dress a Dummy, in which she detailed the relationship. More recently, Melissa Waring, the former partner of Aussie cricketer Nathan Lyon, has begun a blog where she writes about the pain of being cheated on by the man she gave up everything for. So Zara, how do we feel about WAGs channeling their broken relationships into careers? It's a pretty loaded question, huh? I think though we're looping
1: or lumping all of these three women together, abby Gilmore, Melissa Waring, um, and Cassie, I think that these three instances are very, very different. I think there's something that feels different about Cassie's how to dress
0: a dummy book than all of the others. Um, Well, I guess Cassie's book, just quickly, also heavily focused on her life as a model. Chapters were dedicated to her broken relationship with Ellen. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily an
1: entire book about being a wag, but to be honest, the entire selling point of the book was off being a wag. All the PR. Yep. Every single um, extract that was published online was about being a wag because for most people, that's the most accessible angle for the book. Um, I found that really opportunistic, but go for your life. I think that when push comes to shove though, we don't necessarily have to defend her because there's nothing that's in, when you compare her situation to someone like Abby Gilmore's or Melissa Waring's who have been really hard done by, mm-hmm. by the high profile men in their lives. Well, I mean, I'm not going to rush to the defense of Cassie because I don't think she necessarily needs it. I think when it comes to Abby Gilmore and Melissa Waring, I also find their scenarios very different because I think they're um, approaching their online presence and their online careers and their blogging very differently. Absolutely. I feel for both of them desperately. Um, I think the idea of having not only somebody cheat on you and not only do it in a really high profile way, but to have the person that cheats on you protected and insulated by this all male sporting club that has so much power. Um, The Western Bulldogs and now SNN have have really protected Jake Stringer. The Australian Cricket Association, by the sounds of it, have really protected Nathan Lyon, has really put these women on the outer and really isolated them, and therefore it's absolutely no surprise that they have then turned to pretty much the only tool they have, which is social media, to sort of grab
0: their identities back. And it's worth noting as well that these women have such reach with the Australian public. Stories about wags are some of the most read stories online for the entire year. 2017, Herald Sun, I think, said that their Abby Gilmore story where she broke the details about exactly what Jake Stringer did was was their biggest, most read story of 2017. Yeah, and
1: that's not surprising because everybody, particularly we're Melbourne-based, so particularly in Victoria, that was a huge story, and Herald Sun is obviously a Melbourne paper, which we need to keep in mind. Um, but for the record, Abby Gilmore um, came out and said that her ex-partner and the father of her two kids had cheated on her consistently through their relationship. Consistently, while she was pregnant, he had a gambling addiction, but with the cheating as well. Also, with a seventeen-year-old school yeah, girl, with school girls, with young girls, he was going to their family homes and things mm. like that. So, I think when people are very critical of these women turning to social media, a lot of people aren't thinking about the fact that they don't really have anywhere else to turn. And also I think these young women, particularly Abby Gilmore, we forget is 24 years old yeah. and she had kids when she was about 20. She has not worked. She, I don't think has been to uni. No. She hasn't necess- she has not had an identity outside Jake Stringer and her family, which is so fine and exactly the, the, the choices that she made. But the minute that he disrespected that choice and said, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going to go out and do whatever I want, then what kind of identity is she left with? She needs to claw back some kind of identity and this is exactly how she's gone about it.
0: Well, with Abby and Jake, they were together from when they were about 13 as well, which just, it just shows how much that relationship defined her. I guess what I see the problem being with Abby Gilmore and to an extent Melissa Waring is that I think it is very smart and very opportunistic to um, build your career off something that was terrible, to make lemons, to make lemonade out of lemons, basically, and to kind of show these guys that no, you can't just treat me like shit. I'm going to turn this into something amazing for myself. That's all great. I think the women who create careers out of being a wag they're just clever. I think it's a very clever thing to do. It's also I know, not uncommon. I oh know, Beck Judd, Nadia Bartel, Lauren Phillips, Lauren Phillips so a lot, many women. A lot of these just didn't happen from such high profile cheating scandals. Exactly. So uh, that's all well and good. If you want to create a career out of having, out of your relationship to a athlete, that's fine. But I think the issue that potentially malwearing and I think Abby Gilmore to a certain extent are encountering is that to define yourself by something very negative is very tricky because it feels like in the Australian public we're more than willing for Abby Gilmore to come out and say her piece we're more than willing for her to say this happened to me I'm grieving a broken relationship I've got two young kids xyz but It's like everyone then expects her to shut up. You have a very small window of time where you can actually grieve a broken relationship or tell a man how wrong he, how wrongly he treated you. But that window closes very quickly. And then we expect you to shut up and go away. And obviously I'm talking about we, as in the general public, probably Herald Sun readers. And so, I felt conflicted when I found out about Abby Gilmore's Herald Sun column. I was excited for her because I think she's really turned something really horrible into something very prosperous. But the issue with that is, is, The public goes to Abby to hear about Jake Stringer. So simultaneously, we seek her out to hear about something that we also chastise her for. As soon as she speaks out about it, we say, why don't you shut up about it? But I can guarantee all the people who are commenting on that Herald Sun article, and those Herald Sun articles are getting hundreds of comments that are just ripping into Abby Gilmore, those articles are probably the most read for the entire week.
1: Well, it'll be hard to know. I remember when I also heard this announced, the Herald Sun column and podcast. I thought it was a interesting editorial decision for the Herald Sun to make because I don't think that the Herald I think the Herald Sun readership as a whole care about AFL. They care about WAGs and they would hate me saying that, but they do. Um, and they desperately cared about this story when it happened. But you're so right. The minute that the time is up, They don't care anymore. But I thought it was interesting because the people that want to hear the ins and outs of Abby Gilmore's life, the ins and outs of how she is building resilience and things like that, go to her blog and go to her Instagram. Like there are so many other avenues for them to find, you know, how she's feeling and what she's thinking. And then I just didn't necessarily think that an entire Herald Sun readership would have that much respect for this kind of arrangement. They are brutal. It is awful to hear. Nobody should have to face, especially nobody that's hurting anybody, um, that should have to face this kind of uh, onslaught of criticism and backlash, particularly the comments that say that she's a bad mum. And this is where I struggle with because I think calling someone a bad mum is the lowest of the lowest of the blows. Mm. Um, and I th- a lot of people are saying, what about your kids having to read this much later? What about your kids having to get picked on in the schoolyard about this and things like that. And I think that's for her to decide. And she clearly, I would not doubt that those children are at the front of her mind when she makes every decision. And what kind of, and I think for her, it's probably a much different scenario. She's thinking, well, I'm showing my kids how to build resilience, how to actually create a life for yourself when the one you had created for yourself has shattered around you. And how to have a voice when it's being squashed. However, in saying that, when... Abby Gilmore talks about the cheating and when she talks about the intricacies of the relationship breakdown, I don't know who it's helping. I think that there are are the things that she probably could be doing to help blow the lid on that entire AFL establishment, which probably could focus on the gambling. Yeah. She spoke a lot about the gambling in that her first Herald Sun piece, a lot about how there's a really enabling culture in the AFL regarding gambling and things like that. And I think if she wanted to do advocacy work about gambling in the AFL, that's what would be most appreciated. Mm,
0: it would be such a tricky position to be in because the – Point she's gotten to now is built off how vocal she's been about that relationship breakdown. It'll be interesting to see how much further she can get with her reach and her audience and her fan base, I guess, talking about that. I think you're exactly right. I think the narrative needs to go beyond that now. Um I mean, this isn't the only option for WAGs. I know of a woman who dated a very high profile AFL player. They had two kids together. And he cheated on her, treated her terribly, left her when their baby was, oh, they've got three kids, left her when her baby was a newborn. I know her through friends of friends was obviously distraught. She was beside herself and she was just as angry as Abby Gilmore is and just as hurt as Abby Gilmore is, but she never said a thing to anyone. Despite there being reports that something was awry, she never said anything and the years that have passed since there's been a level of healing. I'm not saying I don't know much about the relationship now, but I wonder if the fallout from these things is made a million times worse by pulling the world into it. As soon as you pull outsiders into the ins and outs of your life, into cheating, into relationships, into sex, into gambling, into financial issues, all the things that surround Abby Gilmore and Jake Stringer. I wonder, does that elongate your suffering does but this constantly mean probably. she's reliving the trauma if you're basing your column and your podcast and all these other things on the one trauma the biggest trauma of your life is that really bad for your mental health is that well, really bad we're for not, your well-being we're not psychologists but um, my gut would say yes and the other
1: thing that is ironic about this is that particularly when it comes to Melissa Waring and I think I, sh- I would like to there's a difference, I think, right now between how Mel Wearing and how Abby Gilmore are approaching their blogs, and that is that Mel Wearing isn't giving very intricate detail about their relationship and their family. To be honest, it just feels like an outlet for her to pour out some feelings. It's emotional. It's definitely more emotional rather than detail. greedy detail. Yeah. Um, but I think where they might find difficulty and the irony in this entire thing is that the more they try to find – who they are and who they want to be through this entire thing, the more they actually still define themselves by the ex-partners of the the two people that destroy them the most. And the more we struggle to separate the two. And so the more we struggle to separate the two, perhaps the more they struggle to see themselves as anything but the person that someone really high profile just –
0: Yeah. And it's, it's so complicated because I don't want to tell women to shut up. I'm really conscious of saying, you've had your turn. You've said that you're upset. Now get over it. Shut up. Because we're so used to giving the microphone and shoving it in the faces of male athletes. And these women give up their lives. I've interviewed a lot of WAGs before. And something that really shocked me was how much travel's involved, how you can't really have your own job A lot of the time, if you're with a sportsman who needs to be traveling and you've got kids. Well, and
1: I think that's what we forgot to flag at the start is that this seems a little bit flimsy and a little bit shiny and shallow. But the idea is that more than probably any other career is that these are the kinds of jobs where both of you can't work. Mm -hmm. Like these women give up everything everything for these husbands and then these husbands are adored by millions they get egos they cheat and then they fuck off
0: and i actually read a book i'm a football nut so not only am i interested in wags i'm so fascinated by football but i've actually read a book that goes into the detail of how much these boys are wrapped in cotton wool and it is insane oh yeah they get the exact lunch order that they want it's all prepared for them all the snacks perfectly cut by the team manager their lives are managed to the point of a-list celebrities everything is slotted in and perfectly organized and i think whenever we discuss people like abby Gormo, we need to remember that these women gave up everything and they have every right to be angry it's just what about what next now Where does the conversation
1: go? And that's where I think I land on this too, is that although a blog and social media is the first place they turn, I don't know if it is perhaps the most productive use of their time in the long term. Feminism
0: is about giving women choice. Feminism is not a stick with which to beat other women with. It's it's. I really don't know what my tits have to do with it. It's very
1: confusing. In case you missed it, two weeks ago to the day, I think, Jennifer Garner made her first big public appearance in... Well, I think years at the Oscars. She was a knockout. Many were awed at the return of Garner, bigger and better than ever. Of course, just this week, Ben Affleck was in the news again in a desperate bid to save his fledgling reputation, announcing he would have inclusion writers, that being diversity clauses in all the contracts of his new films. As Affleck tries to save himself and his embattled reputation, Garner is appearing stronger and more likeable than ever. So, Mish... Do you think this is one of the most graceful returns of one of Hollywood's best? A hundred percent, yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> I I love that we've gone from discussing something quite sad about cheating to something quite kick-ass about cheating. Well, yeah, but still sad about cheating. Because Jennifer Garner, the moment she stu- stepped out onto that Oscars red carpet, my bloody heart sang. I love her so much. I wonder what it was because...
1: She didn't say anything. It was the dress. It was the dress. I think it was... It sounds so wanky
0: to say the aura, but she was like strong and fit. Yeah. And just. I, um, as soon as she came out, I messaged you. I texted you and sent a photo and said, look at Jennifer Garner's arms. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I'm not focusing on her body, but her arms looked so strong and beautiful and toned. And I could just imagine Jennifer Garner for the last two years since all that cheating scandal, nanny stuff went down, going to the gym, practicing self love, just living her best life. That dress, it was blue. It was this royal blue. Yeah. And it was just gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, Google Jennifer Garner Oscars dress. Or well, we'll put it in the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, but we'll put it in the Facebook group. We'll absolutely do that. It was my favorite celebrity moment of 2018. It's been about two months, three months. But yeah, but it, I'm calling it in March. Yeah. I think it is my favorite celebrity comeback. And she just stood on that red carpet and looked incredible she looked like she had absolutely shown ben affleck who comes across as a royal douchebag right now that she doesn't need him she's doing awesome i think there's so many layers to this like this is very very deep and it goes back
1: probably 15 20 years um and it goes back to how golden ben affleck and you know by association his best friend matt damon Mm. were Especially when they, I think it also began when they wrote Goodwill Hunting, won the screenplay for that at the Oscars. They were like two wonder kids in Hollywood. They were brilliant. They were funny. They, they were, were best, very attractive. They were attractive. They were best friends. Like they were the future of the industry. People loved them. Um, and then in the last sort of six months or so, both of them have struggled for very different reasons. Ben Affleck was accused of sexual harassment twice, um, not to the point where he's going to lose his career, though he is struggling. Um, he still has a very successful production company. And Matt Damon said a few ignorant things, but not dissimilar to perhaps what males was in my men. life would say. <laughs> it's just a shame that he said it very publicly. Um, and I have no doubt that Matt Damon in particular has very good intentions. It's just sucks when you're a white male and you say silly things publicly <laughs> because nobody has time for it. So the idea that, that we've done a bit of a 180 where those two boys are starting to struggle in their reputations. So they have put inclusion writers in their contracts, which are... Do you
0: want to describe, explain yeah. what they are? So yeah. when
1: Frances McDormand won her Academy Award this year, at the very end of her speech, she said, I have two words to leave with you, inclusion Writers, Basically, inclusion writers are things you get written into contracts that are basically diversity clauses to say I need X amount of diversity in my production team, in my acting team, in my costume team, whatever it might be.
0: Basically, it's hugely important. Francis McDormand was saying for men to do. She was implying that men need to do this. Men are the one in Hollywood are the ones in Hollywood who overwhelmingly have the power. And so when they have that power, they need to use it to fight for equality. So when a man like Matt Damon or Ben Affleck sign a contract, they put the inclusion writer in. The onus imagine, is on the men. You can imagine them running out of the Oscars being like, This is it, this is how
1: we save everything. <laughs> Let's do it. So they've done it straight away, which is great. While that feels like a huge, almost publicity stunt, and I'm not going to begrudge them for it because it's a great thing to do, but it feels very contrived. The and poor very, white men can't do anything right. No, they can, but it feels very contrived, um, but good on them for doing it. There's something about Garner's return that doesn't feel as contrived. It literally feels like shit hit the fan in 2015 when they separated. There were rumours
0: that Affleck had cheated with the nanny. Rumours which she basically confirmed. No, she has always denied. She said in that Vanity Fair interview that it wasn't what contributed to their relationship breakdown, but it was disappointing when she found out months later and it's not good for the children to lose no, their nanny. No, it's bad judgment that they fired the nanny at the same time that they separated. She has never
1: confirmed this. She's been very careful to not make sure that the nanny is not the person. Interesting. Which is which Interesting. Which is why she's been trying to protect his reputation the entire time. But it's kind of felt like they separated in 2015. She has bunkered down, looked after her kids and sort of come back three years later to rise right up. And I think that's why people are celebrating her so much, because it does not feel like a big publicity stunt. It feels like a mum who was trying to look after her kids for three years and
0: is only making her return once she knows that everything is good and well. Yeah, I really love that. and. I think what we need to remember is that so many celebrities are actually narcissists. So many celebrities have extremely big egos. Of course they do. And for that reason, you often hear conflicting reports about a celebrity because they might treat the people at their level of power really well and the people below them like slaves. So you always hear different things. You might hear a a certain celebrity is incredible from one director, but from a staffer on set, they were horrible and mean and gross. But with Jennifer Garner... There's none of that. Everyone who speaks about Jennifer Garner speaks about her in such adoring abundance that she sounds like a genuinely gorgeous person. I know that can be PR. I know it can be spin. But there's just this overwhelming aura from her that she is a lovely, genuine person.
1: Well, I think for anyone who actually wants to get a sense of what – A celebrity is actually right. You just read dozens of celebrity profiles and you read between the lines. I think what I always, my favorite part of any celebrity profile is the introduction because what will almost always happen is that they will talk about whether the celebrity was late, what they were wearing, how their um, demeanor was when they turned up. And that almost always sets the tone for the entire piece. Mm. And if they're late, did they have a huge, huge team behind them? And that is almost always a, a... I would say from a reader's perspective, a celebrity journalist's, you know, opportunity to really set the scene. So with Jennifer Garner profiles, they are gushy mm-hmm. to the point where
0: it's annoying. They are super gushy. Um, She's not wearing makeup. She's got her hair pulled uh, back. She was so nervous. She went to the wrong hotel yeah, or yes. restaurant or whatever. Um, I
1: There's a quote that is used in almost every Jennifer Garner profile that you read. And it's from JJ Abrams, who I think was the director of Alias when yeah, she was the star. Yeah. And it, they always come back to this quote, which was Jennifer Garner is a beautiful girl with an ugly girl's personality, which is a very jarring quote to read it's over and over. It's
0: a little bit over. sexist, but it's still oh, really it's, good. It's the
1: worst. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good quote, but it's really telling. But the other things that I find interesting that I didn't necessarily know is that she once told Newsweek how wholesome her upbringing was in that when she first got divorced, D- divorced. divorced from her first husband she was very stressed about how the public would perceive that because she didn't want to be considered someone who had made mistakes in the public eye or anything like that and she said all the Garner girls are we're a good girl family so to think that people were reading something about me that could change their opinion I had to learn that you just have to be okay with that and know you're still a good girl your mother knows it your sister knows it everyone important to you knows it sounds like a young good wholesome girl who um also wasn't allowed to get her ears pierced when she was younger she never has commodified her young family either her kids she's never sold she's been I think at the forefront of the push to not allow paparazzi to take photos of yeah Hollywood she has kids.
0: yeah she's really pushed that it's interesting because as you said a lot of female celebrities use their body as a commodity or do really push themselves into that public sphere with Jen Garner it's It's not like that. Her Instagram, you need to go watch it. I'm not sure if you've seen this. It's an Instagram series called Books with Birdie, which is literally Jen Garner lying on a furry couch, basically reading children's books to her golden retriever.
1: Is it like a... (laughs) <laughs> certified blue chick Jen Garner account yeah
0: it's her it's a video of her that's okay. with her golden retriever wearing they're both wearing a set of glasses and she'll I just read them a children's
1: that's book that's funny or dorky oh it's so
0: it's so both it, yeah okay both can be true at the same
1: time um I think the most curious aspect of this entire narrative is how somehow Jennifer Garner escaped the Jennifer Aniston effect. She has two broken marriages, one very high-profile broken marriage where he supposedly cheated on her, had heaps of addiction issues, just by all reports didn't treat her very well. And for some reason, there's not outpourings of sympathy there's
0: empathy but there's not patronizing sympathy it's almost like we don't feel like we need to worry about jen garner we feel like she's super strong and i wonder if that's us
1: projecting but i think my favorite profile of anyone ever is the 2016 vanity fair profile of jennifer garner um i got you
0: to read this this week I had read it before. Had you? Oh, wow. Of course I'd read it before. That was okay, a this, huge But this profile. is what I mean.
1: Everybody's obsessed with this profile. Mm. And this is the profile that I remember most out of any profile. Yeah. There are quotes that I honestly reckon I could remember word for word. And the sun one is my favorite. Have we? Oh, I'm about to read it now. Oh, give me the sun um, one. I love this that. Is, yeah, it is really good. And I think this is why we don't feel sorry for her before I read this quote. Because she's honest, but she doesn't, she doesn't, there's no pity there. She's brutally honest, but no pity. This is about Ben Affleck, by the way. He's the love of my life. What am I going to do about that? He's the most brilliant person in any new room, the most charismatic, the most generous. He's just a complicated guy. I always say when his sun shines on you, you feel it. But when the sun is shining elsewhere, it's cold. He can cast quite a shadow. Best
0: quote ever. Look, this brutal but, like, not nasty. No, not nasty at all. Brutal but clever. This is what makes me really interested. When you say she'd never confirm the nanny cheating, I read her quotes to confirm it that's so interesting even the quote where she said in that piece don't worry my eyes were wide open yes. during the marriage those type of things say to me there was infidelity we oh, already that know addiction and things like that well we do already know he's got a gambling addiction if and, an al- and alcohol oh. addiction yeah i think the gambling addiction's a bit murky it's been rumored for okay. ages but he's been to rehab twice for alcohol addiction he's been linked to a gambling addiction basically he's been kicked out of hotels and casinos before for too much gambling. I'm really interested now because I have always had the impression that she has very strongly hinted that he cheated on her, but that wasn't what caused the breakdown of their marriage. True. And maybe
1: I was reading very um particularly about the nanny cheating and what I took from that is that she wasn't confirming it. That's not I kind of think that it happened. Um but I I remember when that 2016 profile came out. Did you read Anne Helen Peterson's Jennifer Garner profile? Yes. She talked a lot about this Vanity Fair profile. So Anne Helen Peterson writes. She's um, the culture writer for BuzzFeed. Culture writer for BuzzFeed, and she does brilliant celebrity analysis. And she said something about this Vanity Fair profile was very interestingly timed because it came around the same time that um, Affleck was trying to promote Batman. And Batman is obviously a really huge deal like a lot of those kind of movies are and she was trying to really help him promote that movie by trying to save his reputation not by trying to be really gushy but believably honest and Mm -hmm. raw and those quotes were really deliberate in that she was trying not to paint her as herself as the victim so that we didn't feel sorry for her and therefore angry at Affleck and by doing so I thought that's why I think putting those two stories together I assume she was deliberately denying the affair so that we didn't funny. feel sympathy for her funny
0: because at the time everyone ran that quote as uh, the the bad judgment quote about the nanny every public uh, tabloid publication that i've read ran that as she just confirmed the cheating oh
1: my god i would love for people to get reading this profile and to tell me what they actually think yeah
0: because um, you're right that quote that it was a it was bad judgment could be Describing him sleeping with the nanny, or them getting rid of the nanny because of the rumors.
1: Yes. So the way that I read it is, it, was it bad judgment that we got rid of that nanny at that time? Yes. Oh
0: my god. Because no, everybody's. I didn't. I didn't read it at all oh, like okay. that. I thought she was confirming an affair. Uh, okay. She just said, I- but the eyes wide open.
1: You're right. Is to- yeah. really really telling, regardless of which way she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um. You said at the start, is this a return of a feminist icon? I don't necessarily know what she's doing to to make herself a feminist icon tell me
0: i just look at her and all the quotes she gives i think i don't know if she identifies as a feminist i would guess that she does let's just force them all but just the way how candid she is and how honest she is about her experience as a mother as a working woman as a wife as all the spheres in this world where she is a woman she's so candidly honest and as we said before pretty brilliantly brutal when she needs to be. And for me, she is a feminist icon. That's really
1: interesting. I don't know if feminist is the first word that comes to mind because I don't think that every strong act needs to be, by definition, feminist. I think for me, the most endearing quality of hers is that she seems unaffected. And that's why I'm really drawn to her. Not because I think that she will be my feminist icon fighting the good fight, but because she just seems unaffected by everything that most other celebrities are very affected by which is money power all of those things and that's why i have been really drawn to
0: her in these last few months regardless of what you think we bloody love jennifer (laughs) so that's what we can't disagree on Thank you so much for joining us for episode two. The way people can find us, the way other millennials or other women can find our little tiny independent podcast is to subscribe. When you subscribe or give us a review, that pushes our podcast into other people's feeds. So we would so appreciate you just jumping on your iTunes right now and just giving us a bit of a review or a subscribe.
1: Please do that. And don't forget, you can also take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. Search Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook and be our friend. You can also email us your thoughts. Please do. Um, our email is podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on Twitter.
0: You guys can also follow us on Instagram. We're giving ourselves a lot of plugs here. Uh, we're both on Instagram. We are truly everywhere. Thank you so much, guys. It's been fun. We'll see you next Monday for episode three. Yeah. We'll be there then. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louie Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo. We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in -hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.